It was good. I'm going to fill you guys in just a little bit of what Pastor Peter shared about because I'm telling you, you need to listen to that message online. It was really good. And uh, Pastor Peter kind of was talking, really he was giving you the emphasis of what Hebrews 12 is saying. He was giving you the idea of, you know, letting go of sin, letting go of just, you know, and it's always that New Year's message. Start fresh. Start the New Year's fresh. Let go of, of, of the burdens of this world, you know. Uh, and he had Josh. Is Josh here today? Where's Josh? Is he sleeping in the back? Josh is usually sleeping somewhere. Oh, he's there. Okay. Josh came up and he was carrying sandbags around, for those of you who don't know. And they were, I think it equaled out to 120 pounds of sandbags. And Pastor Peter originally asked Elia to do it. Is Elia in the room? Elia, where are you at? Stand up, Elia. Pastor Peter asked Elia to do it. Look at Elia real quick. Guns up. <laughs> Give us one of these, Elia. No, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. This is your chance to flex, man. This is it. <laughs> Giving you your moment. So anyway, he, Pastor Peter phoned Ellie, and Ellie is like, 120 pounds. Like, it's going to look like nothing to me, right? Because he, he bench presses 400 pounds. So, so then Pastor Peter's like, you're right. I better get Josh to do it. Because Josh, <laughs> Josh will struggle. He's never lifted in his life. I went. He came and worked out with me for one week, and he fell out of a machine and got a concussion. <laughs> And never came back. I'll tell you, though, he can run and he can swim. He can't lift that much. But anyway, <laughs> I love you, Josh. He's great. He, he's a good sport, and he knew I'd pick on him. So anyway, it's good. But he was talking about really the sandbags represented, you know, our worldly desires. They represented the distractions and, and the, the disappointments that life brings. And Pastor Peter was really saying, you know, we start carrying these things around and we're trying to run this good race of faith. And we're all over the place and he had Josh run around the stage. And finally Josh just caved and dropped it all. And really that was the point of the message was that we're not meant to be carrying all that around with us. Right? There's so many people though that are trying. They're living their life carrying so many things around and they're trying to do it and they're just getting weighed down and they're trying to create ideas to help them carry this weight when really all you have to do is just put it on Jesus, right? It's, it's one of the reasons that he came was to take that weight of sin off of us so that we could be free and run free. And, and I just, man, I, I really want to encourage you, go listen to that message. Pastor Peter just did such a great job setting that up and, and going for that. But I want to read Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 before we get going today. And we're going to do part two of our series, Let Go, Let God, okay? So here's what Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we're going to really focus on that part of the scripture. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith today. And I found it amazing that Pastor Greg's word of the year was faith, right? Because really, if we want to have real faith, we have to have our eyes on Jesus. Let's carry on. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I just love that scripture. What a scripture to live your life by, hey? Just to, to lay down your sin, to focus on Jesus, let him write the story. And, and I just think, you know, the, the truth is, is sometimes letting go of sin and letting go of all, all that stuff, these burdens, these things in our lives, how many of you know it's easier said than done sometimes? Anybody ever figured that out? Or else why would we have to keep preaching that message over and over and over again, right? Why do I have to keep reading that and reminding myself 
to let go of stuff. Because maybe like, like me, some of you guys, you run a few laps after you drive, and you're woo, life's good, life's great. And then you see that sandbag, and you're like that dog from out, you're like, squirrel, and you gotta grab that bag, and you pick it back up, and you start carrying it around again. Anybody else do that with their sin? Anybody else do that with their life? Yeah, we all do it. And, and I think it's interesting, you know, that it's easier said than done. But we know where to turn, and we know what to do when those things come up. We just gotta let it go. Really, if you live your life with open hands and stop carrying the baggage around, you're going to be a lot freer. If you continually just open hands, it's all yours, God. I'm giving everything to you, the good, the bad, the ugly, over and over, right? Give it to Jesus. He's meant to carry that weight of sin. And uh, I want to encourage you, examine your life. Examine your life. Pastor Peter called us to give us, you know, take a look at your life. Is there stuff that you're holding on to? that it's time to let go of. So I want to encourage you, go do that again, okay? What about the things, you guys, though, in our lives that we face that have nothing to do really with sin or any fault of our own? Right, what about those things that just happen to us that really shouldn't happen? Right, we figured out, you guys hopefully have figured out that bad things happen to good people sometimes. Anybody experience that in their life? Am I the only, it's like, why is this, what is, like, Jesus, what did I do wrong? And, and your prayer life turns to calling out to him, and you're just literally like, God, I don't know what I did. I don't know why this is happening in my life. Why do I deserve this? I've done nothing but good stuff, and, 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 and I'm trying my hardest, God, and, and here I am suffering and, and struggling, and, and life is just not easy or fun right now. It's really hard. It's grinding. And, and I want to talk a little bit about that today and just how we let God move in those areas of our life, okay? You know, when the unexpected accidents happen, right? And we've all had them. We know what we're talking about. When the sickness comes that we weren't expecting, you know? I, I've shared before, you guys know some of my, one of my closest friends, Sean's, he's been battling stage four liver cancer for over a year now and, and just fighting it and going through and his family's going through it and, and they're just keeping their eyes on Jesus. But but how do we live our lives when, when these things happen to us, when we lose our jobs, you know, when a spouse leaves and we had no idea that that was going to happen and despite our greatest efforts for them to stay, they decided to leave anyway, right? You know, when our children decide to walk away from Jesus, there's so many different things, so many unexpected things that are outside of our control that happen to us all the time. And what do you do in those moments? Because it really has nothing to do with you letting go of anything. It's really like, this is happening to me. It's real. Where do I turn? What do I do? Where do I go? Uh, I just, you know, it doesn't matter how disciplined you are. It doesn't matter how many times you work out. You can still get sick. You figure that out? That's why I eat strictly meat now. And because uh, I've, I've realized that vegetables don't always help everybody. So <laughs> I'm lying. I have to eat vegetables once a day. So... My wife makes me. But anyway, right? It's those things that come we don't have any control of. You know, we've experienced that in our building program. How many of you had an idea of how that building was going to get built and when it was going to get built? And Right? Anybody have an idea? And then suddenly it's like, no, there's this problem. There's that problem. There's this going on. We have to do this now. We have to do that. We had an idea of what was going to happen when it came to building that building. And uh, Jim, how many years ago was that you started? 14, 15, 20, 25, right? It's been a long time, though. It's been 10 years. It's been 10 years. And it's been tough, and there's been a lot of ups and downs. And, and sometimes the way we think things are going to happen, we get a promise from the Lord. We get a word from him that this is going to happen, and we have an idea of what that's going to look like. 
And God switches it up and changes the whole plan. And so that's kind of the stuff that we're going to look at today. Let me pray, and we're going to get right into it. So, Father, I want to thank you that you're here. You've already ministered, God, even when Kathy came up and prophetically shared that word. God, you changed my whole message on Thursday afternoon. I had a completely different message prepared. And you switched it because, God, you want to speak something to people that, that, Lord, you care about. And there are people in this room who this word is specifically designed for by you because they need to hear it. And and Lord, that was a lot of strife to me. But Lord, thank you that you did that. Thank you that you switched it up. Even as we worship this morning, as the prophetic word came, as Pastor Greg shared in announcements, I can see it all now. I see what you're doing, God. And so Lord, I just want to submit to you and surrender and just speak through me and open our hearts and our ears to, to hear and to receive from you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. We're going to look at a guy named Joseph today. Anybody ever heard of Joseph in the Old Testament? Now, like you heard in my prayer, I had a totally different message prepared about Peter. And it was really good. It's a great man. You can't wait for you guys to hear it someday. Um, But not today. And it sucks because for weeks I'd been contemplating, I had it all, and I was like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to rock this message. Woo! Ready to go. And then Thursday afternoon I was like, God, what is going on? I can't deal with this. Like, and I had to switch everything. And I'm in Pastor Greg's office. He's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. You're just learning, young man. Like, <laughs> Lord does this stuff all the time. Like, I, I know that. But it's still frustrating when he tells you, right? Like, anyway, I was just looking for some sympathy. Like, I got more, I'm going to work all weekend now. Anyway, so I want to give you a bit of history about Joseph, okay? And, and this will be a bit of a blessing for some of you. Joseph was the 11th son of 12 boys. Anybody come from a big family? How many come from a a family of 10 or more? Anybody in the room? Just raise your hand. Wow, there's some of you in the back. Unbelievable. Anybody eight or more? Raise your hands. Six or more? My hand's still up. Okay, what about less than six? Anybody? That's the rest of you. Yeah, okay, good. Okay? Yeah, I should have just known that. Sorry, I'm still in the turkey hangover too. But 11th youngest son. Now, he's the eldest son of his dad's third wife. Does that make sense? We're talking mixed families here, okay? We're talking, you know, there's a bit of, uh, of things going on. There's more than one mom. There's multiple moms here. There's multiple sons from multiple moms. And, and so he is the 11th and the oldest son of his mother, Rachel, who has passed away. She gone, right? She's dead. And uh, so now this is the interesting part. He's actually... His dad's favorite son, and his dad lets everybody know that he's the favorite son. Anybody come from a family that's a little bit more messed up than that, or maybe just as messed up, right? Don't raise your hands. But you know what I'm talking about. This is a messed up family situation. This is not the kind of good thing. Like, if you had parents, and maybe some of you know, I I don't know this, although I suspect that my dad has a favorite and it's not me, but he's never gone out of his way to fully say it. But in this story, Jacob is the father of Joseph, and he goes out of his way to say, this is my son, he's my favorite, I'm going to make him special clothes that none of you get in, because he's my favorite. And he robes him in the special clothing, and you know, he gets to get out of chores that are a little bit more menial, you know, the hardworking chores, the guys are out tending the, the flocks and whatnot, and Jacob's at home, cutting cheese and grapes, and you know, maybe fanning his father a little bit, I don't know for sure, but... Kind of stuff that Luke does, right? But anyway, it's, 
Sorry, he was laughing hard. Anyway, lo love our politicians and all of them. But anyway, he was at home while the other brothers were out working. And, and so his brothers, the Bible actually says they hate this guy. They hate him. Not they dislike him or they get, he gets on their nerves a little bit. They hate Joseph. They can't stand him. They want nothing to do with him. He is not, you know, when everyone's picking up a game, he's the last person picked. They don't even want him at the game. He's that guy. And so I just want to give you a little bit of history before I jump into the part of the story. But the scripture is from Genesis 37, 5 to 10. And my first point is we've got to let God initiate some things in our lives. So Genesis 37, 5 to 10 says this. One night Joseph, this guy I was telling you about, had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. You imagine, I've, you just go up to your brothers and sisters, oh, man, I had a weird dream last night, let me tell you about it. And they hate you even more than, they than when they started. It's unbelievable. Now listen to this, Joseph at the time he had the dream was believed to be about 17 years old. So imagine, you know, 17-year-olds are a bit annoying. I know from experience. But they, they think they know everything. Teenage, yeah, amen. Come on, parents. Somebody. Teenagers? I love teenagers. But they know everything. And you sometimes can't teach them anything. But anyway, Joseph goes up. He's 17. He tells all his older brothers. Some of his brothers are in their 30s. You understand? They're, they're, like, they're like me now, and he's coming up, and he tells them about this dream. He says, listen to the dream. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly, my bundle stood up, and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. <laughs> okay, little bro. Like, right? His brothers responded, so you think you're going to be our king, do you? Like, this is not like, wow, what a great dream. I wonder what it means, man. Like, great, cool. This is like, you think you're going to rule us? You little punk. Like, they're not, ha like, they hate him. You guys understand. Think of hate. They hate this kid. You think you're going to rule over us? Like, how dare you say that to us? Who do you think you are? Like, they are, they are not happy. They are not impressed. They hated him all the more because of his dreams. And the way he talked about them. Now listen, I don't actually think that Joseph was cocky and arrogant. I, I don't think that. We, we joke about teenagers and all that stuff. But I don't think Joseph was actually that way. You know, the Bible actually, he is a picture of Christ to come in the New Testament. He, there's something about him that, that is kind of unique and kind of different and kind of amazing. And so, you know, I, I think that there's something in the heart of his brothers, however, that is different. That even when the most sincere, the most pure, the most innocent person comes and shares something with them, you know, sometimes when people share their dreams, their hopes with us, it can create insecurities in our own hearts. You ever had an employee come up to you and share maybe some things that could be better at work, and suddenly there's an insecurity in you that, oh, I might lose my job. Well, this person's thinking differently than me. This person is, you know, your children come up and say, ah, you know, we could be doing something different, like read a book on parenting, and, and suddenly they're a better parent, Right? There's insecurities that are, we're faced with when, we're, when, when, when truth comes and hits us. And so I think there's something in the hearts of the brothers that can't see God, that can't see good, that can't see what God is trying to do or wants to do in someone's life. And we all get that way towards people at times, right? You know, I, I think most of us, if we were honest, would be thrown. 
That would be like one of our young teenagers coming up to me and saying, you know what, we're going to run youth this way, and I think I've seen how to dream that this is the way things are going to go, and, and you know, you're going to be bowing down to me, and, and you're going to be, I'm going to be your boss, and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 slow down, young man, right? And I might not hate them, but it would be awkward. It would be uncomfortable. And I think if we were honest, all of us might feel that way. It takes a mature person to, to not have insecurity when young people are coming up and moving up and calling, moving into their futures. It's, it takes a, a secure, mature person to be able to see something in other people and call it out of them and actually be able to let them walk past you and go farther than you, right? As the next generation, your job is, is to nurture and call up that, is, that God is raising up already. And, and so I just want to encourage us, just a thought, something to think about. Verse uh, 9 says, Soon Joseph had another dream, and again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as his brothers. His father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams meant. I just find this such an interesting story. Two dreams, two, two amazing dreams that he shares, and he's getting in trouble from everyone around. It's causing him problems. Now, the dreams, in case you don't know, the dreams came from God. This wasn't just bad pizza dreams. This was like a prophetic dream that he was spoken to about, about what was going to take place in the future. He shares it with the people that are supposed to love him the most, and they're actually the ones that are the most critical about what's happening. Even his dad's like, look, man, like, that's kind of a dumb dream. What are you, what are you thinking? What are you doing? It, it's interesting. And just, I, but, but at least the dad was wise enough to say, I, I better ponder that. I know enough about God, and I've met with God myself. I've wrestled with God to know that he's probably speaking to my son, and I wonder what this means. Where the brothers were just jealous, hated, and wanted to kill, which is interesting. Um, how many of you know that God is constantly communicating with all of us? Every single one of you. And he does it in different ways. God communicates to all of us in ways that we can understand. And I love that about God. How he speaks to me is completely different than how he speaks to others in the room. And, and he meets me on my level, and I love that about God. And, and the Bible tells us this, that his thoughts towards us are more numerous than all the sands of the sea. He's constantly thinking about you. He's constantly trying to communicate his love, his encouragement. You know, all of these things, he's constantly trying to say it. You know, it, it's often you know, an encouraging thought that God has towards you or that he speaks to you or shares with you. It's often about how much he loves and cares about you. It's often comfort and it comes to lift us up when we're feeling down, right? But sometimes he actually comes and gives specific, he's trying to communicate a specific direction for our lives. Now, you know, I, I want to tell you this. There, there's kind of two different camps in this. And, and there's the camp that is one. Luke and I talked about this. We had lunch a few weeks ago and we chatted a little bit about this. There's one camp where Oswald Chambers is, is one of these guys. And, and they are basically like, this is where the Lord has put me. And I'm not moving from this place. I will live as a Christian in this place, but I'm not going anywhere unless the Lord specifically tells me to go. This is where God has put, put me and placed me. And this is where I'm called to do God's work. Now there's another camp way over here. And they're the camp that believes that God has created me to be free. I'm within the kingdom of God, and I can go anywhere I want and choose because God is with me and for me and blesses me and favors me, and, and, and I'm free to go. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul's an example of someone who lived that way. 
he put his, his thoughts, his plans to the Lord, and he said, I'm going to go, and they would pray about it, and then if there was no no, they would go, and they would do it. And there's, there's an instance in the Bible where Paul sets his plans before the Lord, and the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going there to Asia. And he stops him, and he says, actually, you know, gives him a dream, there's someone over in Macedonia. And, and so the Lord actually blessed Paul to move freely in the kingdom. And now here's something that I want to tell you. This side is right. This side is right. God moves in every one of us differently. There are times, see, I, I tend to be a little bit more over here. I, I kind of lean, I'm like about here. Because God has not ever really specifically directed me to any certain place. I've never had God say to me, Matt, go do this, do that, do that. I've had him share certain words to the people in their lives, specifics. But God has never been like, specifically, you need to be here, 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 and here. I've been this guy, and I've had God specifically say, no, this is not the right time for that, and, no, and, and lead me more that way. But I know other people who live on that side, and they live great lives, and they do amazing things for the kingdom of God. Some people lean more to this side. Some people lean more to that side. Find your side. Fit in. God loves you. He's going to bless you. He's going to favor you if you stay and wait for specific words. The point is, though, if you're stuck here staying, don't be a freaky weird guy about it. And God, what oatmeal should I eat this morning before I, you know? And, and if you're on this side, you need to be obedient when God says, no, you're not supposed to go, you don't go. You understand what I'm saying? Daniel King lives over in this area, one of the missionaries we support. He believes just to go freely within the kingdom. And God has moved amazingly in his life. So anyway, a little side note there, okay? What do you do when God drops a specific plan into your heart, though? like he did with Joseph. There's a specific dream. There's something that comes. And the dream is this. You're going to be the ruler over your brothers, and you're going to be the ruler even over your own parents. What do you do with a dream like that when God starts speaking to your heart that way? You know, I, I can only relate in the way that I would relate, and, and I would probably be that guy like, hey, Ben, guess what God told me? Y'all, you're under me now, right? I might be that guy. If I was honest with you, I, I'm a little bit, you know, as a young man, Actually, I wasn't a little bit. I was very conceited as a young man. And, and I would have owned that, and I would have hoarded over, and I would have lorded over. If God gave me a dream like that, I would have been like, I wouldn't have been able to listen to my dad anymore. God told me, you're going to bow down to me. Right? Well, thankfully, I've matured a lot since then, but don't laugh at that, Jody. I've matured. <laughs> How many of you guys have had God speak to you in whatever way he communicates to you, a, a, a plan or a purpose or a dream or hope, and, and you get that dream, and you found that when that dream finally came true, it was nothing like what you thought it looked like at the beginning. Anybody ever had that happen in their life? Right? God shows you something, and when you finally see the fulfillment of that dream, you look back and you're like, man, that is nothing the way I planned it. That doesn't look anything like what I figured that would look like or, or what God was going to do. And I've had that happen a lot. I'll give you an example with my wife who's never in the room when I'm pre- Where is my wife? I'm trying to earn brownie points here. But anyway, when I first met Andrea, she moved to Kelowna and she was going to Bible college in Kelowna. And she was what we called a Betty back then, which is a skater girl who's super hot. So... I made up the super hot part, but she was a skater girl, and she, like, wore, like, you know, belt buckles with, like, 
diamonds on them and stuff. And she was super cool, had this jet black hair and lip rings. And I was just like, that girl, she's a dream. And where most of you are like, stay away from that girl, I was like, that's the girl right there. And we sat on this picnic, this, this, this picnic blanket in a park one time, Pritchard Park in Kelowna. And when I first kind of met her and, and thought, I got the dream that this is going to be Mrs. Sampson. I, I was so excited when I met her. And, and she came, and I was like, man, she is gorgeous. And I, I told her pastor, I said, yeah, I'm going to date that girl. And he was like, no, you're not going to date that girl. And I was like, no, God gave me a dream. Like, I really believe she's going to be my wife. And, you know, I'm going to tell her. And <laughs> God, he was like, no, you're not going to say any of that stuff, you freaky weird Christian. And, and he shut me down quick. And he was like, that girl's here to meet with Jesus and is actually going to Bible school to get, you know, uh, into a deeper relationship with God, and you're not going to interfere with that in any way. I was like, yeah, I don't think that's right. So I didn't say that to his face because he was freaky, but, um, but in my heart I was like, whatever, whatever you say, man, that's not what I'm going to listen to, and that's not what I'm going to do. And so I remember a few things that came up, and, and I bought her flowers, and I was like, <laughs> I was going to give them to her, and he, he saw me, and he came over and said, who are those flowers for? And I was like, uh-oh. And uh, I had this vision of how things were going to go in my mind, right? I was going to give her flowers. We were going to go on her. He's like, give me those flowers. <laughs> he took the flowers from me. I was like, those are not for you. And I was all mad at God, and I was mad at him, and I was upset. And, and, then, and then I bought her this teddy bear, and I left it on her car, and somebody stole the teddy bear. I phoned her later that day, and I was like, hey, did you get that gift on your car? She's like, what gift? And I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. I had this dream of how I was going to woo this girl. Little did I know that it was going to be over a year, and actually, I got to this place with my pastor where he said, listen, you don't stop pursuing that girl, I'm going to kick you out of my church because you are interfering with what God is doing in her life, and you are making this about you, and it's not about God in any way. And I was like... This is spiritual abuse. Like, <laughs> I wasn't really, but I was like, holy cow, this guy is serious about her Christianity. He loves her. He cares for her. He wants her to know God. And so I got to this place where he's like, Matt, you, you actually stop phoning that girl. Leave her alone. Like, you need to let her grow in God. And I, I finally submitted. And you don't know that about me, but I was pretty willful when I was a young man. And if I wanted something, I was going to go get it. And I came up against someone who was more willful than me, who was carrying the heart of a father towards another young girl. So finally, Andrea, I was in Morinville now at the point, and the Bible college came here to do an outreach. And she was talking with other boys from the Bible college, and I wasn't allowed to talk to her. And, and I just, I remember driving in my car that night, and I said to my friend, I said, man, I just give up. Like, this is never going to happen. I'm trying so hard to make this happen. I've been doing everything I can, and I just give up. Like, God, she's yours. I actually said those words to my friend, and he's like, ah, oh, whatever. I was like, I'm moving on. Like, an hour later in that evening, her pastor came up to me and was like, so, you serious about this girl? And you finally surrendered, and you finally, like, he, it's like he knew that I finally listened and finally got into my heart that he's like, I really feel like God is telling me that it's okay for you to pursue her now. <laughs> like, what? I just gave up. <laughs> I had a faith crisis. I, I was like, that girl's someone else's now, but I was just like, 
And later, the Lord showed me, he's like, Matt, it was about my plan in her life and what I was doing in her life. And if you made it about you, they could have all been lost, right? Because what if I decided, ah, I don't want anything to do with you after I got to know her a little while, and then she left church and never came back? You know, there's a whole bunch of what-ifs in that story. The point is, is I had a vision, and I had an idea of how that was going to go, and God had a totally different plan. And the plan ended up in brokenness for me to that place where, God, she's yours. And it wasn't until I realized that that God was like, you're worthy now to have that daughter. I'm telling you, man, do it God's way. It'll be the best way. I'm telling you, young people. Anyway, long story. We've got to let God write our story. This is the second point. I'm going to get back to Joseph here. Because I'm willing to bet that Joseph, when he got that dream, had no idea what he was going to have to go through to see the fulfillment of that dream. Because if he did, I bet he would have said, no thanks. That dream's not for me. That was bad pizza. I don't want anything to do with what is about to happen in my life to fulfill this dream, God, that you've given me. Because if you don't know, this, this is a crazy story about Joseph, right? Um, after having shared the dream, Joseph goes out. His dad sends him out to check on his brothers. He goes out, and when he shows up, his brothers actually have a plan to kill him. Like, for real, kill him, dead. They hate him that much. They want him dead, gone. And so they show up, and one of the brothers actually is like, whoa, 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 guys, hang on. Let's not kill him, kill him, because then we're going to have guilty consciences if we kill him. Let's just sell him instead. You ever wanted to sell a sibling? Right? Maybe one of your children? You might, like, that is God's mercy and grace in Joseph's life in that moment. Think about that in your own life. God's mercy and grace in Joseph's life right now is that he's not killed and that he's sold into slavery instead. Wow, God, great plan. Let's be honest. We need to actually be honest, church, with the things that we go through in our lives. There are some really sucky things that happen, and it is really hard to say, wow, God, I really see you here with me right now. I really see your goodness in the midst of all of this. I really see how you're moving, God. You're so glorious. Hallelujah. Right? We, we don't get it sometimes. I don't get it. Maybe I'm the only one. These guys actually sell their brother. They, they, they rip his coat off him. They soak it in an animal's blood. They go back to their dad and they say, yeah, he's dead. Wild animals got him. Sorry, dad. His dad grieves. Like, this is a wicked, evil story. You understand? And his dad grieves and he's like, oh. But, but you know what this means for Joseph? Nobody's coming looking for him. He's gone. He's dead and gone. And some of you feel that way in your lives. You're dead and gone. Right? It's crazy. I, I believe this. The enemy will do whatever he can to kill God's word in people's lives. When God gives you a dream or a promise, the enemy will do whatever he can to snuff out that dream from your life. And if he can't kill it, then he's going to lie about it. And you're going to feel like there's just nothing left there. And I just want to encourage you guys today, don't give up. You may have been walking through a hard season, but there's still hope for that dream if you just hang on. Just hang on. Trust that God's with you right now, okay? It's unbelievable. 
It's a brutal story. It goes on and on. Joseph ends up a slave in the house of a guy named Potiphar, who's this high-ranking official in, in Pharaoh's kingdom. And, and, and while he's there, good things are happening. God's blessing him. And, and it's amazing to think that God's blessing him as a slave. But God's blessing him, giving him favor. Uh, Potiphar's wife is like, wow, that is one really handsome young man. I want to have sex with him. And he won't do it. He won't do it. He says, I can't sin against God. Now, man, I'm telling you, your life is at a pretty crappy spot. And there is a, a woman that's trying to have sex with you, and he's just like, nah, I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do this. And he actually runs out, and she accuses him of adultery, and he's thrown into prison. He's done nothing wrong. Now, how many of you can relate to that? I've done nothing wrong. I've been working hard. I've been doing everything I can. And, and God, I don't understand why this is happening in my life. There's no reason for this. And Joseph's just like, in prison now, done nothing wrong his entire life. And how many of you would be singing, Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. No, you would not be singing that song. Maybe you would. Maybe you would. I don't think it's our first response, though. Right? I'm telling you, if the enemy can't make you compromise, he's going to lie that you did it anyway. There's so many people that got You know, I remember this video of Billy Graham. They were doing a documentary of him, and he went with someone everywhere he went. And he was going into a hotel room, and a prostitute jumped into his hands, and there was a photographer in the, in the room taking pictures of it. And his camera crew caught it all, and so they couldn't actually use it. And he's like, you'd be, you'd be amazed how often this happens to me. <laughs> like, the enemy will lie about you. They're, he's evil. He's wicked, right? But anyway, I don't, ha I don't imagine that Joseph had all of this in mind when he had that dream, that all of this was going to happen. I don't think this is how he would write the story. How many of you are trying to write your own story right now? Trying to make it happen. Trying to make something happen. I'm telling you right now, in some ways... There are places where God lets you fill in the blanks, but if you let the pen go down and say, God, I'm trusting my life to you, will you write this chapter of my life? It may be painful, but I promise you that he will be in it with you. He's not going to leave you there uh, alone. There's something in Joseph we need to learn. It doesn't seem to matter what he came up against, his heart and his attitude seem to stay right with God. I find that so amazing about Joseph. There's a scripture in 39, you don't have it, but Genesis 39 says, While Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. I, I think that's amazing. That even in the darkest places, even in the brokenest places of his life, he still trusted God to move and to do something amazing, and God still favored him. Right? Joseph's purpose, you know, sometimes a lot of people think it was just the end goal, but the purpose of Joseph's life, the purpose of all of our lives is to spend every moment we can with God, to be in relationship with him. If we get too focused on the purpose or the calling like so many do, we miss all of the stuff that leads up to it. We miss God moving in the moment. We miss God moving in those dark places and the amazing blessing that he brings through our lives to so many people. It's crazy. The warden put Joseph in charge of all of those in prison. So they actually experienced the kingdom of God through Joseph in that place. Now, was it good? No. Was it, was it great? No, it sucked. He was in prison. He wasn't free. But he kept on being who he was through all of it. He didn't compromise who he was because of the, the situations that came into his life. 
So what about you guys this morning? What about us? Who are you when life isn't going according to the way that you thought it would? When God's word hasn't come to fruition yet in your heart? Are you giving up? Do you let go? I don't know about you guys, but I would have written a lot of chapters differently in my life. I would not have written Mournville into my story. That might be hard for some of you who grew up here and lived here your whole life to hear. I, I, I lived in the big city my entire life. It's really weird to me that I can't go to home hardware past 6 o'clock in a town. Like, I can't get a tool or something I need in this little town past 6 o'clock. Like, I would not have written Mournville into my story. It's too small. Mournville? You got a dog food plant there. But God wrote Mournville into my life, and it's been one of the best chapters of my life. Twice. <laughs> <laughs> Do you trust God to write your story? Even if it's painful. Even if you don't deserve it. Even if you don't deserve what's happening. Even if it's contrary or seems contrary to the word over you. Do you trust him to be the author and the perfecter of your faith? Right? Let him write the story. He's going to do amazing things. Roman 8 tells us this. The Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him. God, those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. You see, God, God's plan is made perfect in us when we trust him. When we surrender to him. You know, during his time in prison, Joseph met this uh, guy who worked in Pharaoh's court. And he interpreted a dream for him and, and said that you're basically going to get out of prison. You're going to be restored to your position. And he says, but when you get back to Pharaoh... Remember me. And the guy gets restored and he goes back to Pharaoh and he doesn't remember Joseph. And two years later, you know, Joseph is still rotting in prison. And now Pharaoh is having these crazy dreams. And, and, and the guy says, oh, hang on. There was a guy in prison I forgot about up until now, but he can interpret dreams. And Pharaoh calls for him and shares these dreams with Joseph and says, you know, I'm scared. And Joseph interprets the dreams. There's a famine coming. People are going to die. We need to start preparing now. You know, we need to be ready. And, and Pharaoh actually, in one moment, 13 years later, from the time that Joseph had the dream and was sold into slavery, was accused of adultery, thrown in prison to rot. Thirteen years later, Joseph is raised up to be second in command over all of the kingdom. Only under Pharaoh. Now, I don't know about you, but you are not going to learn that lesson in a leadership conference. That the way to the top is through prison and people lying about you and being hated by your family. You're not going to hear that stuff. It's a crazy story. But the beautiful part about this is, guys, we need to see is that Joseph trusted God. He let him, he let God perfect what he needed to perfect. And the dream matured in him. And I want to show you something, how much the dream matured in Joseph. Genesis 45, 4-7 says this, his family is struggling and they've now come to Egypt to, to find food and, and to find hope. And, and they come and Joseph is there and he's leading. And it says, verse 4 says, Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. He sees them. He calls them over. They don't know that it's him. 
He says, when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed, do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there'll be no plowing or reaping. God, God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant of, on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. We finally see the fulfillment of the dream. And I love Joseph's response. You guys, you may not have seen it. I may not have seen it. But what God did in my life was to preserve all of us. And he was big enough to forgive them. He was big enough to look past it all. He was big enough to see God writing the story. But the challenge for us today is what is God writing in your story right now? What are you going through right now that is preparing you for something down the road? You know, what you think right now is an attack of the enemy, maybe God forming something in you so that you are ready for what needs to happen. Right? You understand what I'm saying? When the enemy, when it feels like the enemy, the Lord is preparing you for something greater in the future. Don't give up in the middle of the fight. Don't give up because when, when, when God gives you a word, it's going to come to fruition. The promise stands, right? I heard Stephen Furtick share a message like that. The promise still stands. His promise is good for you today. His promise is real no matter what you've gone through. It is still good. It will come to maturity. And the thing about it is when it's mature, when the vision is mature, when the word is matured, and when it's ready to come, Joseph doesn't come and say, look at me. I am now your leader. Look at the dream. It came true. God told me this. He says, guys, this was God's plan all along. Not for me to lord over you, but to serve you and to lift you up. To save you. The Lord wanted me to be ruler over you, not to be the ruler over you, but to, to save you from death. I love it. It's such a picture of Christ and what he's done. And what he's done for all of us. He saved those who hated him. He came to us while we were still enemies. Laid his life down for every single one of us. I want to pray with you guys right now, and then we're going to take communion. Hallelujah. Father, I want to thank you that right now, God, there are people in this room who are letting you take control of their lives again, who are letting you be the Lord, who are letting you be in charge. And I want to thank you, God, that in the midst of some of the hardest times that any of us have ever gone through, where we've lost sight of you, where we've had a faith crisis, Lord, where we've given up, where we've tried to make the plan our own, where we've tried to, to, to do it our way, God, I thank you that you are in the midst of all of that, God. And if we'll put our faith and our hope and our trust in you, that, God, you can rewrite the story, you can take all of the bad, all of the hurt, all of the things that don't make sense, and turn it into something beautiful, God. And I want to thank you that everyone in this room here today can just surrender to that. Surrender to a God who sees all and knows all. And if we will just trust and allow him to move, God's going to show you something great. I want to encourage you today, as Kathy prayed, those of you who wanted to give up, don't give up. As we take communion here, I want you just to lay that before the Lord. Say, God, that was me. And just remember what he did for you in this moment. Remember Joseph and, and all the harm he went through only to see something good come of it. And he ended up living a lot of years blessed after that. He lived a long time happy, a, a short time of suffering, God, 
but, but ended up living such a great life, full of joy, full of peace. So Lord, let that be our story today. Whatever we're going through, wherever we're at, Lord, let us find you. Be the perfecter of our faith today. Be the finisher of our faith today. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to ask, just as we do communion now, and just remember what the Lord has done for us, that his body was broken for us, that we might be whole, that his blood was spilled for us, that we might become holy, that we might be able to enter into a relationship with the Father. I just want to encourage you to take whatever the Lord put in your heart today, and as you take communion today, as you come up and partake with us, and remember that you are one with him and that you are one with his family, I just want to ask you just to surrender that to him today. Give it to him. If you've been struggling in the midst of a tough time and, and have been blaming God or not sure what's going on, just give that to him today. And let him bless you in the midst of the moment. If you've been too focused on the purpose and the plan and you're missing all of you know, the in-between, I pray that you just give that to God today. Let him know. Let him heal you. But Father, we want to thank you today that your body was broken and that you did shed your blood for every one of us to save us, God. And so I want to ask that you just bless this time as we take communion now in Jesus' name.